Support for Charlotte Readers Podcast is provided by Charlotte Mecklenburg Library, a connector of readers, leaders, and learners with 20 locations and a 24-hour online presence at cmlibrary.org. Welcome to Charlotte Readers Podcast, where authors give voice to the written words. We're a proud member of the Queen City Podcast Network and the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network, a series of author-hosted podcasts uh, distributing literary content to a worldwide audience. I'm your host, Landis Wade, a recovering trial lawyer turned author turned podcaster of books and stories, and I really appreciate you being here. Very quickly, before we get to the uninterrupted interview today, a few quick words about some of the benefits uh, for our listeners. Number one, we have show notes uh, for every episode uh, with images, links, and information about our authors at charlottereaderspodcast.com. And number two, if you're into audiobooks, uh, we have a relationship with Libro.fm, which supports indie bookstores. If you sign up with Libro to get your audiobooks and use the promo code CHARLOTTEREADER, you'll get an extra audiobook free. Number three, if you go to charlottereaderspodcast.com or my personal website, landisway.com, and you sign up for the book report, you're going to get it every other Tuesday. And here's what you'll get. Recommended readings, author interviews and videos, reading and writing tips, doses of inspiration, a free ebook by yours truly, and more. We won't spam you. That takes way too much time. And finally, we've got a lot of great content that we put out on our exclusive Patreon channel. If you like what we do here, uh, that is our mission of helping authors give voice to their written words, and you'd like to help us uh, defray the costs of this project, you can jump over to Patreon, that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash Charlotte Readers Podcast, and you can tap into all the great extra content we've got that's curated by our authors and me about uh, their writing lives and the craft and business of writing and other things too. But enough with the prologue. Let's get to the uninterrupted story of our guest and the one they've written. In this episode, guest hosted by award-winning author Kathy Pickens, we visit with Peter Reinhardt, author of the book Perfect Pan Pizza, a book with 35 new recipes for pizzas baked in pans in such varieties as Sicilian, Detroit-style, Roman-style, and the author's signature embedded cheese technique for making game-changing pizza crusts. Peter is widely acknowledged as one of the world's leading Authorities on Bread. He's the author of 12 books, including the James Beard Award and the IACP award-winning The Bread Baker's Apprentice, as well as American Pie, My Search for the Perfect Pizza. He appears regularly on television and radio and is a full-time baking instructor at Johnson Wales University, a culinary and keynote presenter at conferences around the world, and the founder and host of the popular video website PizzaQuest.com. With unique recipes, plenty of information, frequently asked questions for beginners like me and <laughs> and a permissive and inspiring tone. Perfect Pan Pizza will appeal to both experienced bread bakers and novice home pizza makers alike. Our guest host today is my friend and award-winning author, Kathy Pickens, whose latest book is about creativity. You can see the show notes to learn more about that. She's also a lover of pizza, I assume, and a fan of Peter's, who wouldn't be a fan of a guy whose quest is to find the perfect pizza. Uh, now, listeners, when this is over, we're going to jump over to Patreon. Um, at uh, patreon.com forward slash Charlotte Readers Podcast, where Kathy and I will interview Peter for a deeper dive. Uh, that's interesting how I did that deeper dive. There you go. On writing and publishing books about food with an emphasis on pizza, of course, 
and his writing life. And you can join us there and get all our great content, support the podcast. But for now, I'm going to turn the uh, audio steering wheel over to Kathy Pickens and let her welcome Peter and uh, take it away. Thanks, Landis. And hello, Peter. Hi, Kathy. I have been a fangirl for a long time, but I have not confessed to you my deepest, darkest secret that a few years ago I developed a gluten intolerance. Mm. And so I feel like sort of a fraud here, but um, I'm, I'm admiring from afar and I have your pizza books <laughs> and, look, yeah, and, and, watch, and watch Pizza Quest and um, all that. So, <laughs> Well, you're not alone in terms of the gluten sensitivity. There's a lot of pizza lovers who have you know found ways to work around it by making a <laughs> Gluten-free crust that can't yeah. be done. I've done it. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yours is probably really good. An awful lot of them turn out to be cheese on a cracker. But yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, no. I, I, I wanted it to be something where, where when people tasted it, they didn't feel like they were getting the B team, you know, but they were, getting, <laughs> but it was still the pizza that they wanted. <laughs> I would expect nothing else from you. Um, I. We met years ago at, together at a writer's conference right, at the remember. University of Georgia. We were both out. We were speaking there and um, had had new books out. And I, I was so enthralled because I had been um, following your career. So this is a real honor for me to get to have this conversation. Um, so I want to talk about pizza, but I also want to talk about writing. Um, but But for me, especially in this latest work I've been doing on creativity, because I'm talking to you about that, not about true crime which is the other thing i've been writing lately right uh, well, that, i remember that that symposium that we went to was really most of the people there were crime writers, <laughs> most were crime writers. yeah 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 the, the wonderful woman from kentucky had some hilarious stories uh, but um you know what was your path you know as a creative person what was your path first to being a chef and a baker and why bread and why pizza well it's interesting that i ended up in bread more so the bread than pizza, uh, because of my path. When I started out, I way back when I was younger, my, my goal in college was to be a filmmaker. I went to film school oh. at Boston <laughs> University, and a writer, I wanted to be a writer and a director. But then I got kind of, uh, after college, I got off on a journey, and I realized that while I felt that I had skills to get in the business, and I had connections, I, I actually had opportunity to get into the film business, but I also was smart enough to know, and this is in the early 1970s, that if I had entered the film business then at the level of immaturity that I possessed, that I would probably be destroyed you know, by the <laughs> industry. And and I, I felt like I, I had this, I, I had to, I knew that I could do it, but I didn't know what I had to say. And I so I felt like I had to go on a journey of self-discovery to find out what it was that I had, what was I going to write about? What was I going to you know stand for? So I started on kind of a journey. It was a spiritual journey. It led me down a lot of interesting paths uh, to Eastern religions and gurus and meditation and all things that back then were very avant-garde. And right now, you know, the meditation back then has now become very hip today. So we were like 40 years ahead of our time. But um, uh, but eventually I ended up uh, becoming a, a brother in a Christian order, in an order that was kind of an independent, similar to the Jesuits or the, the Franciscans, but it was an independent organization, but it was modeled on on those those uh, paths, and it was totally not where I expected to, to land. I really thought I'd end up being, a, if anything, spiritual would be a yoga teacher. Yeah. As a kid, I was raised in a Jewish family. My parents were freaked out, and uh, and it wasn't like by design. I wasn't trying to do that. It just this is where where kind of I landed. And I felt like some kind of a calling that was was going to answer these deeper questions that I had about. 
who I am, what's the purpose of life, what's my role in it, what's my mission, and those kinds of things. And um, and I became, um, uh, I guess, when I was baptized, they gave me the name Brother Peter. Uh, and I've been Brother Peter, or I was Pe- Brother Peter for about 30 years. Now I'm just Peter because uh, during that, you know, the unfolding of that journey, uh, the the brotherhood or order that we were part of uh, eventually disbanded and became assimilated into the Eastern Orthodox Christian mm. Church, a much larger, more ancient, traditional branch uh, of which there are sub branches like Greek Orthodox and Russian Orthodox, and you know the mm. Antiochian. Church. These are all, uh, but this is the oldest, oldest category and branch of the Christian Church. The Roman Church was just one spoke of that wheel, and then later they had their own schism and split. So that was a whole backstory. But during that time, uh, as Brother Peter, uh, I had also uh, come into that path by working at a vegetarian restaurant in Boston back in 1971 to 74. And I was one of the you know, sort of co-founders of this co-op restaurant. That um, So I learned how to cook. And I knew how to cook. So every t- everywhere I went during the next few years, I was always in the kitchen doing something, even when I was I was writing for our theological journals and I was, um, you know, doing various projects, but I always ended up cooking and I loved cooking. And while living in San Francisco at our headquarters, I discovered bread and, you know, bread is a big thing in San Francisco. Oh. Sourdough bread is like, oh. <laughs> you know, it's part of the identity, the cultural identity of San Francisco. And you can go out, the, out you know, any door and within a, a few minutes, find a place to buy a good loaf. Really but, good. <laughs> but I decided to learn how to make it because it was just something that seemed interesting and I, you know, and I knew how to cook. So I, I got into baking and um, found that I kind of took to it and I had a natural talent for it. And within this community, we had men and women and you could get married and have families. And so I found, I found my wife, I found my wife, my mate, Susan, who was also a very good cook. And as part of our sort of unfolding ministry as being members of this uh, Christian brotherhood, we, um, we opened up a small restaurant and cafe in Forestville, California, on the uh, Russian River coast. And uh, one of the things that we decided to do at the restaurant was to make our own bread. As one of the, we both were good cooks in a lot of areas. So we thought we'd try a bunch of different things and see which one could sort of carry us and become a livelihood for the community that we lived in. And it was also a way to provide jobs for local high school kids and, you know, just kind of create a, you know, an outpost for, for people. It wasn't evangelical. It wasn't, you know, a preachy kind of place. It was more about service. Our our motto was really about serving people rather than preaching to them. And so uh, I learned how to make bread. And I came up with some breads that all of a sudden were like getting more notice than anything else we were doing. And we, uh, uh, we got written up in the New York Times and all sorts of things about these breads. Uh, and one of our neighbors uh, who fell in love with the bread was uh, MFK Fisher, the oh. very famous food writer. Oh, wow. and, and so somebody introduced me to her and we became friends. And she asked me, uh, you know, if I was doing anything, I told her about my background in film and writing. And I said, well, I'm working on a book, uh, my first book, and I'm going to make it's going to be about bread. I finally found out what I have to write about. This is the long answer to the, your first question as what I finally found sort of my metaphor. And I'm going to write about breads, about slow rising bread as being the best way to make bread. And she looked at it, she read it, and she offered to write the intro, the foreword for my book. Wow. So I went. So with that in hand, I was able to get you know published, and I had my first published book. And uh, having her name on the book kind of gave me street cred, and I was off and running. 
And now, yeah. you know, I'm on my 13th book now. And, uh, and I got deeper and deeper back into writing. It kind of came full circle. And I realized that this metaphor of bread and later pizza, because pizza is just sort of bread with something on it. It's a, it's an <laughs> extension of bread, um, uh, is this fathomless, bottomless, you know, reservoir of metaphoric opportunity. And, and so for me, the, what really opened up was this notion of bread being a symbol of transformation, which in the end, I realized that's what I'm really writing about is the whole notion of, of life as a transformational process. And that is the, the longer version of, you know, of, of a very short it. question. I know. I love it because you just reinforced for me something I've long believed is part of my working thesis about creativity is that those who are open to the journey um, find quickly that God has a sense of humor. <laughs> yeah. And we don't always see where the path's going, but when we look back, how fun was that? Yeah. Yeah. And patience, I think, is the key to that because I certainly, I had no idea. When, my, when I told my parents what I was doing, and they said, Well, what about your aspirations to be a writer and everything? And I said, I'm letting it go. Yeah. I don't know if it'll ever come back. I don't know what, but I'm, I just don't know what it is that I have to write about. So I'm just going to have to abandon myself to divine providence and see where it leads me. See where it goes. And uh, 20 years later, you know, <laughs> I got my book and, and, and the writing came back. And yeah. eventually I ended up just to deepen my skills. I ended up uh, going for a master's degree at Queens University oh. here. Uh, I took the MFA program in, in creative writing. And uh, I, that turned out to be a valuable addition. And now I'm teaching at Johnson & Wales, in addition to culinary things that I teach, I'm teaching a course on, I've taught on uh, food media, uh, food writing, uh, food and film, you know, all those courses we offer at the school. So I'm now, I have the degree that allows Full me to circle. teach this. Yeah. That, well, and, it, and I think that as in the time since you started out as a filmmaker, storytelling and the technology has come together in some really exciting ways. And you've been right in the place to use those. Um, you do podcasts and you've done broadcast and lot, lots of other things. Do you want to read some for us from Perfect Pan Pizza? From the new book? Yeah. yeah. Well, let me preface it by saying, by reading something that somebody else wrote first, which I think is, okay. has sort of given me, uh, uh, sort of, again, another handhold into and why I write about food. And that is, uh, I taught this course called uh, Food and Culture at the university. And uh, we read about, you know, the other other cultures around the world by studying their food. And one of the writers was a sociologist who wrote an essay about how chicken, how the, 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 the big piece of chicken has become a very powerful symbol in the African-American community because uh, it can mean, it means so much more than chicken. And, if, and the punchline of his quote was, um, uh, you know, that you can, uh, number one, that it, um, uh, addresses things, questions like race, gender, class, and power. But the fact, and this is his quote, the fact, perhaps more than any other, lends credence to the notion that food is always about more than what it seems. And I took that and went, that's it. That answered my Thank question. Yeah, food is never really about food <laughs> when you write about food. It's always about something else in addition to food. It's about food, but a lot more. So let me just read this. This should take about two minutes of, uh, of uh, the intro from this my most recent book, which is a pizza book called Perfect Pan Pizza. Um, and again, it's really most of the book is how to make these really great pizzas in a pan. But in the introduction, that's the place in the book where I usually get a little bit of leeway to, you know, stretch the boundaries and be a little creative. 
uh, what, uh, again, preface it. One of the things that I address in, in all of my books about uh, bread and pizza is the difference between good and great. That's a, mm-hmm. kind of another theme that I that I explore is what's the difference between good and great? Because I will, I'm not going to I'm not going to do a pizza book with just good pizzas. They're going to have to be great enough for me to put the effort into it and for you to want to read it. So I ask the question: What is the difference between good and great when it comes to pizza? This begs the deeper question: What is the definition of greatness? In an earlier book, American Pie, I explored this very question. And to save you many pages of reading, I can tell you that great pizza, as I define it, always, always, always has a memorable crust. In the 15 years since that book appeared, there are now many more pizzerias producing memorable pizza. But the same principle applies. The crust is always exquisite. What do I mean by exquisite? Well, First, there is the taste, in which the pizza maker has accomplished the primary mission of all bread bakers, to evoke the full potential of flavor trapped in the grain. This is done by proper adherence to the craft of dough fermentation, the mysterious balancing act of time, temperature, and ingredients that allows the natural sweetness of the wheat, or any other grains for that matter, to emerge through a natural chemical, and biological process. But flavor alone is not the sole memorable quality. There is also texture and an ineffable quality that is often referred to as snap, which is produced in your mouth as well as in your auditory canals. It is a sound so delightful that beyond the flavor of the pizza, it induces an undeniable and inexpressible state of joy and inner satisfaction. I call this the sound of crust. Like a crusty baguette or a fine piece of toffee or a crunchy slice of toast, biting into a perfectly made pan pizza fills the mouth with buttery shards and the ears with a musical crackle. It creates a taste-sound association that forever haunts us and a longing that resonates deep within, leaving an indelible taste memory. Well, so the, Brother Peter. So I squeezed a lot of a lot of my themes into that one little section of my book. They only give me so many pages to be creative. <laughs> that, that's a lot of philosophy for a bread for a pizza book there. <laughs> yeah. well, that, one of the key words in that uh, is is this whole concept of longing, which I found and 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 this kind of emerged through my study at, um, when I did my my dissertation for my master's is is this principle of longing being at the heart of of what I think is. Um, Memorable writing. If we're going to talk about memorable pizza, you know, what is it that makes writing or any kind of art form, even culinary art form, memorable? And I think that uh, it, that one of those factors is it evokes a sense of longing. Yeah, you you wrote um, your thesis on that, I believe, and your MFA. But you know, I, that that really strung the core with me when you were talking about that. We were exchanging emails beforehand, and. Um, that sense of longing, I think you're right. It's why we go to fiction. It's why we go to movies. It's why we go to good nonfiction um, is because we're looking for something. Uh, and the promise of at least a hint of that um, is there. Yeah. Um, you, you talk about, um, you've talked several places about that and about, how important it is the person who is doing 
the bread baking, the person who's doing the pizza making. Um, at Charlotte's Creative Morning, you 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 talked about that subject exclusively, and I you know I had just read this book um, involving research at NC State, and of course I find out in talking to you that not only do you know about it, but you know Rob Dunn, and you've been involved in some of his research. But this whole idea that the the very hands that make the food mm-hmm. influence the taste mm-hmm. is fascinating to me. Yeah. yeah, well, Rob, of course, is a microbiologist, and so he really talks about it very literally. Yeah, the hands, that the bacteria on your hands, and even the wild yeast on your hands will will be you know grabbed by the bread dough and will start to de- affect the flavor in a positive way usually. You know? Yeah, and uh, uh, and that's so that's you know the very literal you know, meaning of, uh, of, of hands, you know, affecting things. But then of course there's other, other levels of how the hands of the hands of the craftsperson, you know, can, can be the difference again, between just good and great, uh, because of what those hands imbue into the product. For you in your, um, journey, because to me, this this has been a long creative journey, and you've been completely open to the places where it's taken you. In your journey, what um what does that what does that now where you are now? Because you continue your journey where you are now. What does that passion? What does that heart? Uh, one of the pizza guys that you talked to um in your quest talked about soul. Yeah. How is that, how is that expressed? How do you, how do you know when somebody has poured their heart and soul into it and when it's just um, a job that they may not necessarily like very much? Yeah, that's a really, you know, good point because it's part, again, factors into this difference between good and great or, and by great, I mean, memorable. Mm -hmm. And, and you're referring to a, a, well-known, he's now a well-known pizza star named Chris Bianco in Phoenix, Arizona, who at the time I was writing about him, which was uh, 17, 18 years ago, uh, he was emerging and and we knew about him in the culinary world, but the public didn't know about him. And since then, he's become a regular guest on the Jimmy Kimmel show. And he's kind of like the, the rock star of the pizza world now, because he brings, would you, for lack of a better word, could say a soulful quality to this craft. And anybody who's ever eaten at Pizzeria Bianco when he was making the pizzas would leave that place. Good. And I remember we're just talking about pizza, just flour, water, you know, salt, yeast, and toppings. <clears throat> Everybody has access to these same ingredients. And yet people would leave his place thinking, wow, I didn't know pizza could be that good or that special. I mean, and they couldn't even put it into words most of the time. If they tried, it would almost diminish it. But they left there having had an experience. And so I interviewed him about that. And, and of course, I agree. Those pizzas were extraordinary. They definitely, you couldn't forget them. And they became benchmarks in your mind for what a pizza could be. Mm-hmm. And in fact, most of the great pizzerias that have opened since that time, almost all of them will point back to Pizzeria Bianco as one of the uh, sort of the benchmarks or, or uh, signposts that they, uh, that they followed to try to make their pizzas that good. And so I asked them, I said, uh, you know, what is it about your pizzas that make them so good? Is there, are there some tricks or tips that you could give people? And he said, I, I don't think there really are. I think, uh, I think it would be a disservice if I gave people tips as if that would make the difference. He said, uh, that's not what makes my pizza so great. And I said, what is it? And he said, well, he says, it's because I'm the one who's making them. 
And boy, I just stopped and I thought, well, that's, that's either very, uh, 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 you know, prideful statement or, <laughs> or a very profound statement. I said, so what do you mean? I said, what is it? What? He says, I could teach people the tricks of the trade and anybody, I could, but that, that's not what's going to make him a great pizza maker. What I, what I can't find, and it's hard to find, is a person who cares as much as I care about each pizza being, you know, a, an expression of, of myself. And, and so I can teach people the tricks, but I can't teach people to care. If they, if they come to me and they have that, you know, kind of ingrained in them and they care as much as I care, I can make them a great pizza maker. So I asked them again. I said, well, you know, people have this profound experience when they eat your pizzas. What is it that you want them to experience when you, when they eat your pizza? And he, and he got very quiet and he paused and it, and he kind of went deep inside to think about this. And finally, very slowly, he said, I want them to experience my soul. And the room got that quiet. Because, I mean, when have I heard a pizza maker say something like that? <laughs> and finally, I said, what am I going to say now? You know, and finally it came to me. So I, I asked him, do they? And he started chuckling. He <laughs> says, do, do they experience my soul? <laughs> and again, he got quiet. And he says, you know. I think sometimes they do. Wow. And then he couldn't talk about it anymore. He said, let's get out of here. Let's make some pizzas. And yeah. so I got to make pizzas with them. You know? And, but that really, that became the high point of that book. The, the book was called American Pie, My Search for the Perfect Pizza. And that story was sort of the heart and soul of that book. And, Pete, and Chris is the heart and soul of the pizza movement. And now when he speaks at conferences, you know, the room fills up because everyone wants to hear, he's like Yoda, you know, they want to hear these pearls of wisdom from Chris. And, and, uh, and he's onto something. You know, because he's really talking about the soulfulness uh, that is at the heart of, you know, anything that's truly great. And uh, however you define, you know, soulful, which is, again, a whole journey in a book unto itself. Uh, and so that, you know, I feel is what, you know, my my path is as well is, is in search of, of not only, well, in, when it comes to pizza, it's about, you know, developing the craft itself and, and, that, and then the, the comparable uh, caring, the, the desire, the yearning the longing to, to, and it's uh, C.S. Lewis will call it the, lo the longing for something. I know not what, you know, and that's, it's because yeah. you can't put words to it, but yeah. you can feel it and you sense it. And when it's expressed through a piece of art, and in this case, we'll say uh, culinary art, like pizza, or it could be any kind of food, but it could be any kind of art itself. But when it's expressed, when the, when, the, when the, the artist him or herself has is in connection with that, and somehow transmits it through the piece of art, the the viewer, the reader, the eater at the other end experiences it. And ultimately, what you really experience is a form of love. And and when you talk to somebody like Chris, you know that that word's going to come up a lot. He says, I love what I'm doing, and I want people to love it, and I want them to love me because I love them. And and I like how he kind of shied away from it. It was almost as if it got too close, yeah, too deep, and he shied away from it a bit. Yeah. I, I, he, you know, he really is a humble person when he says, because I'm the one who's making the pizzas, you know, that's, that's just being truthful, but, but, you know, he's not a bragger and he's, yeah. and he, and it's hard to get him. Uh, he'd rather make the things and, and let his, let his pizzas do the talking for him, but he's been forced because of his celebrityhood. Now he's been forced to get out there and try to articulate it. 
That's why he likes me. He said, because I'm an articulator and he's more of a doer. So, <laughs> so together we make a pretty good team. I was going to say, it sounds like you helped really be, really be the one that drew him out. Um, he, he likes me. He likes it when I kind of interview him at conferences and stuff like that, because, you know, because I, I help him formulate the words. You know, That's, that's interesting because it, it often does take translators. That, that's a good way to put it. What do you hope, you have a lot of audiences, not just as readers, but as your students and as people who listen to you, watch you at conferences or podcasts or whatever, what do you want them to experience? You asked Mr. Bianca that, but what do you want the people in your orbit to experience of your art, of your creativity? So it's a, you know, and just like with Chris Bianco, that's the question that th- it's hard to answer because you feel like putting words to it almost cheapens the experience. But, um, you know, I have this website called Pizza Quest, which basically continues this never ending search for the perfect pizza. And one of the catchphrases on our site is that the that Pizza Quest is a lot more about the quest than it is about the pizza. Uh, and pizza, in a sense, is just the hook. It's the metaphor to get you into it, because ultimately what I what I hope to achieve and what I think my mission in life is, is to help other people find their mission in life and find what it is that, 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 you know, becomes the fire in their belly that puts them on the quest or makes them conscious, more conscious of the quest that they're already on, but may not even know about. And so if I can do, if I can achieve anything through my writing and through my work and my teaching, even when I'm teaching how, students how to make a loaf of bread, without talking about it directly, my hope is is to uh, uh, ignite within them a greater desire to not only uh, become skilled and great at the particular craft that they're working on, but to understand themselves and their own journey more deeply. And so, and, and ultimately that boils down to this notion of longing and yearning. You have to long for it. You have to want it because it's always just out of reach. It's never just about the food, is it? <laughs> there you go. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Kathy, I want to jump in here uh, just a second. And uh, I've been listening and fascinated with this discussion um, because when I, when I was thinking about this episode, I was thinking about you know, the book and the making of the pizza. And we've been sort of on a philosophical discussion here about the meaning of pizza life. And, uh, you know, we've talked about a quest and, and of course he mentioned Yoda and I think he, you know, Peter might be the Luke Skywalker here, you know, who's taking, <laughs> you know, he's taking, the, he's taking it forward, but, but I want to, I want to, I don't want to read the listeners to sort of understand about this book too. And it's a practical question, Peter, you've written all these books about pizza uh, you're, you've obviously got an arc to your life because you talked about that early. Uh, tell us what's different about this book and what you hope people will get out of this book, uh, sort of uh, not just in terms of learning how to cook pizza, maybe, but g- give us your thoughts on that. On the new book, uh, Perfect Pan Pizza, it really is more specifically uh, aimed at a particular style because right now, the, the last few years, the what we call Neapolitan pizza, the kind of pizza that's baked directly uh, on a on a stone hearth in a super hot oven, uh, which is modeled on the pizzas made in Naples, so they call it Neapolitan, and that's what we know of as pizza in America with the round pizzas. But there's also another category of, of pizzas that are pizzas baked in a pan, so they're usually square, they could be round, but they're baked in a pan, and they have different qualities than the Neapolitan. They take longer to bake. There's um, there's um, 
there's thick crust, there's thin crust, there's all sorts of styles. But um, the the possibility within the category of pan pizzas is that you can get a quality in the crust that you don't necessarily get when you bake in a fast, you know, one and a half minute, uh, eight, eight or 900 degree oven. Uh, as great as those pizzas are, you don't get this uh, this sort of what I call the hot buttered toast effect, which is when you bite into it, it's, it's as if it's like toffee, a piece of really good toffee uh, shattering in your mouth and then filling your mouth with buttery goodness. You know, and the, mm-hmm. I, I, again, as more I talk about it, the, it's not as good as the experience itself, but it gives you joy. And that's the thing. And, and so my this this style of pizza which is can be very poorly done and usually is poorly done in many places um can also be done at this other level this level of memorableness and so what i wanted to impart in the book were techniques for how to achieve a pizza even in a home oven that you bake yourself that you don't have to go out and you know get crispyanko to make for you um you know can can give you that same experience of joy and and in a sense change your uh, let's say change the benchmark in your mind of what a pizza can be i wanted to actually raise the the bar on what you think pizzas have been and could be so that you'll never settle for something that's just mediocre but you'll always want at least strive for and go for that great memorable quality yeah that's great and so uh Listeners, we're going to actually uh, take – Kathy's going to have the final word here. She's going to get a final question. Actually, Peter will have the final word, but Kathy will get the final question. But before before we do that, I just want to let you know that uh, we're going to jump over to Patreon, and we're going to do a little deeper dive here. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, how to write uh, and publish a book about food, particularly pizza. We might get into a little more of the you know, how-to there maybe. Who knows? That's sort of a free-flowing uh, thing we do on Patreon, but uh, – so, so check it out. It's uh, p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com forward slash Charlotte Readers Podcast. You not only get this episode, but gosh, I think we got about fifty of them up now with a lot of great, great authors. I did, I did one with Kathy uh, on creativity, I think, and we've done some others as well. So check that out. And now I'm gonna turn it back to Kathy. And Kathy, you get the final question here. Peter, I know Perfect Pan Pizza is out now, but you're working on another book. Has has COVID interrupted the Pizza Quest? No, uh, we we kind of uh, redirected it. We, as they say in the the, the, the cliche of the day, is we pivoted. Uh, <laughs> just on Pizza Quest, the website, you know, I got to go out with a camera crew and we filmed some great videos. And if anyone gets to pizzaquest.com, you'll see some wonderful videos that we made. Again, always in search of this perfect pizza. We always said, you know, wouldn't it be fun on Pizza Quest if we if we spent a whole lot of time, you know, finding out what what this fire is burning in the belly of these great pizza makers, these artisans. Uh, and we never actually got to the pizza itself, but of course we we couldn't stop. We had to go get the pizza. So our the the, the climax is always eating the pizza on our site. But but we always thought it'd be kind of cool to leave it hanging and never quite get there, quite get there because that's the real <laughs> truth of life. And and so uh, the new book is actually what what happened was is during um, during the the shutdowns, uh, Zoom came along and I started interviewing uh, a lot of the pizza superstars. That I've gotten to know over the years by you know being part of this larger pizza community and going to a pizza expo every year in Las Vegas and we've all become you know like just friends I call them my fellow fire freaks yeah. and we uh, and so I started to do one-on-one interviews with them over Zoom 
And in many of them, we would have them do a demonstration of their particular signature pizza. And so we had all of a sudden access to dozens and dozens of the greatest pizza makers in, in the world. And so I asked them if they would contribute one pizza for a new book that would be called Pizza Quest. And the subtitle being, My Never-Ending Search for the Perfect Pizza Continues. And, 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 and so I have 35 pizzas from these great pizza makers. They, I don't want to ask them for their secret recipes or anything like that. Um, I know how to make dough. I know how to. I know, I can, I know how to, to convert their ideas into a, something that's doable by a home cook because these books really are aimed at the home, you know, cooking market. And and so they, what they do is, is they give me the pizza and the basic ingredients that are in it, and and they send me a, a beautiful photo. And the beautiful photo of that pizza will be in the book. Uh, and my job will be to take their masterpiece and do a tribute pizza based on that. So I tell them that that they're basically the Beatles and I'm the Beatles tribute band. <laughs> and, 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 and and so so these are these recipes end up being my recipe um, in tribute to the to the hero pizza that it's modeled on and uh, I'm coming down to the home stretch. I've got uh, in fact I was working on one today. I've got about eight more to, before I finish and turn it in. I'm a couple of weeks away from uh, turning the manuscript and the book should be out by the end of this year, by the end Ooh, of 2021. Woo-hoo. So and the, the publishers always change the title. So I'm, you know, at the last minute when they think they can come up with something better, but right now we're going to call it pizza quest. Uh, my never ending search for the perfect pizza continues. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Thank you. Oh yeah. yeah. It's fun. I tell you these photos, I look at these photos and I just, oh, my, 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 my wheels start spinning. They're just so beautiful. Yeah, that's great. So, so we might talk a little bit about that when we get over to Patreon. That's uh that's interesting. But uh, so, Hey, Kathy, I want to thank you for leading this interview today. Thank you. And, and, and Peter, I want to thank you for coming on the show and uh, not only delivering uh, some information about pizza, but also your passion, and your philosophy for it. Thank you, Landis. It's been a joy to be here. Well, that's it for today. Another fine author giving voice to the written words. You can subscribe to this podcast for free at Apple Podcast, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and most any podcast platform you like to listen to your podcast on. If you like what we're doing, please consider leaving a short written review on Apple Podcasts or the podcast platform of your choice. Because when you do, our authors' voices travel much farther and wider in podcast land. And if you're inclined to help us help authors give voice to the written words, and you'd like some member-only content cultivated by our authors and me as our thanks, please consider becoming a member supporter. You can find out how to become a member supporter and more about today's show and all previous episodes at charlottereaderspodcast.com. Thank you for listening. We really appreciate it. I'm Landis Wade for Charlotte Readers Podcast. Charlotte Readers Podcast is a member of the Queen City Podcast Network, powered by Ortho Carolina. For more information, go to queencitypodcastnetwork.com.